You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday uh, with your families. Um, Excited to have you uh, with us today, this morning. Um, I love this part of the holiday season. Uh, There's just a lot of hustle and bustle and work that goes into getting ready for Christmas. It's the shopping, um, the wrapping packages, the decorating, uh, the preparation of the meals, uh, and the cookie baking. Uh, And those are all fun things. Uh, but relaxing is probably not uh, one of those things. So uh, it seems like the, the time between Christmas and New Year's is a time just to relax, enjoy all those leftovers, um, your well-decorated home, the time with family that came in town to visit you, uh, and to just sit back uh, and relax uh, and uh, uh, take everything in uh, in the holiday season. It's just a, it's just a wonderful time. Um, so today, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, we're going to wrap up our story uh, of uh, uh, the Christmas season uh, from Joseph's perspective. And this is from Adam, Adam Hamilton's book uh, entitled Faithful. So I want you to imagine, uh, especially guys in the room, put yourself in Joseph's shoes uh, and imagine you had found the gal you were engaged to, Mary, um, uh, had been with child that was not your own. Uh, we're going to read uh, the account in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. And uh, I'm going to tell you there's a story inside the story about uh, uh, the decision that Joseph had to go through uh, and uh, what he was thinking. That's not, that's not necessarily all written here. So let, let's read it. Starting verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. So between these two verses I just read, there's a story inside this story. In verse 18, it says that Mary was pregnant with child. In verse 19, it talks about how Joseph had decided to quietly divorce her. Uh, And I think in between when Joseph found out and the actions he took, um, he was drawing a couple conclusions. And y'all, I think that the really only logical conclusions you can draw here uh, if you were in Joseph's shoes. Uh, First, Mary, there's a good chance that, that she was crazy. Not to, I don't know there's another nice way to put that. Or second, she's lying. She's not being honest. And uh, the most likely conclusion is that she was a little bit of both, that she was crazy and she was lying. Uh, and uh, it credits uh, Joseph to being very graceful and that, she's, that he just concludes, oh, this lady's probably not mentally healthy right now and this is not a mess I want to get into and uh, I don't know that I can trust her and I'm just gonna quietly walk away from this, um, save her as much disgrace as possible, uh, and I'm gonna move a different direction in my life. 
Uh, and, and that's what you see in verse 19. He, he quietly decides to walk away. Um, so Ronnie asked me to um, be part of this uh, series partially because um, I do have kind of my modern uh, day family twist of this own, um, this own story in my own life. So uh, 16 years ago, I was dating a gal uh, and uh, she became aware uh, of a nephew uh, that was in her family uh, that might uh, need a temporary place to stay. And so uh, uh, she had let me know that. We've been dating maybe four or five months at that point. Uh, and then she did get the call uh, several weeks later um, that uh, her nephew did in fact need a, a place to stay. Uh, and that that very day, um, she needed to go pick him up from school. So later that evening, she calls me and, and uh, 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 very, very uh, emotional about it. And, and it's a big life change, um, but she felt called. Uh, and uh, you know, you think about it as being a big decision. It's really not, it's your family, it's what you do. Uh, and that's how she looked at it. Uh, and uh, so she, she, was, she was committed uh, and faithful um, to uh, take that uh, first step of diving in uh, um, to take care of her six-year-old nephew uh, at that time. So uh, she called me up and, and she let me know, and I'm not sure what she expected uh, from me, if I was gonna run off or not. And, uh, uh, and I, had to, I had a choice um, to make uh, about what I wanted to do there. Uh, and uh, that's an interesting thing to ponder as a, uh, a man in your mid-20s. Um, do I want to parent a six-year-old boy? Uh, and uh, well, yes, the, the answer I chose to that was yes, but uh, thinking about it and re reflecting back on it, uh, I think about it, uh, you know, and, and I have an, a, a second boy now, uh, Tobias, he's eight, and uh, I like to think of boys uh, as if you were to defi define it, uh, a boy would be uh, a noise with dirt on it. And if I could revise that, I would say it's a hungry noise uh, with dirt on it. Uh, and uh, that was, I say it was, a, it was a big decision, and I'm going to come back to that. You know, I think we make um, life more complicated and make decisions more complicated than they need to be in these circumstances uh, when it comes down to maybe just following your heart uh, and uh, doing what's right and what's needed. So Joseph... Uh, coming back to Joseph, um, he changes his tune, uh, and I want to talk about how that happened uh, and uh, how he got there. So we're going to keep reading on in Matthew chapter 1. I'll start in verse 20 and read through 21. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, have you ever wondered uh, what it would have been like um, to parent Jesus? Um, I think it's interesting think about parenting. Um, you're, you're often left wondering if you, if you handled those circumstances right. Did you pick the right battle? Um, did you discipline with the correct measure? Um, did you discipline enough or too much uh, in different circumstances? Uh, and poor Joseph, um, the answer to all of those what-if questions was that he was always wrong um, <laughs> because he was raising Jesus. Um, it's interesting, though, when you go look at these verses in verses 20 to 21, um, it says the angel told him to not be afraid of taking this journey um, and if someone would said to you that you were going to raise a boy that was going to cure cancer or, in Jesus' case, um, save the world from their sins, 
Um, you wouldn't want to mess that up or derail that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I can't imagine how he would feel. I would guess it would be very intimidated. He probably felt underqualified. Um, maybe um, he was a man in his mid-20s and uh, he didn't want to take on that crazy either. Uh, and he was uh, uh, not going to have anything to do with it. Uh, and certainly uh, he would have been very just, uh, justified to be uh, afraid. Uh, and it's interesting when we see God encounter um, many different people, like in the Old Testament and the Bible, um, uh, the first thing he is, is, even the burning bush is talking to Moses, and uh, his first reaction is to think about how he's not qualified uh, and to let those, those questions and those fears um, overtake them uh, and to run away from that calling. And uh, what we see from Joseph, um, the angel says, uh, yeah, Mary's not crazy. Um, the baby is really from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, Joseph, uh, I need you to follow the, follow the calling of your wife uh, and dive into this. Uh, and uh, he simply does it. Uh, I can't imagine maybe that would have been easy. Maybe, maybe it was for him. Um, he was certainly credited to be faithful uh, in what he did. And uh, um, he believes this miracle and he supports Mary in her calling. And he took the next step forward, and it's, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing. Um, I uh, uh, Recently at work, we have been uh, starting to come back together um, after the course of the pandemic. And uh, we had our company uh, Christmas party um, out at SeaWorld. I have a pretty large company I work at. It's Southwest Research Institute. There's about 3,000 people that work there. And so they, um, they rented out SeaWorld for part of a day. And um, I got to see a coworker um, that I hadn't seen over the course of the pandemic. Um, and uh, he had something extra with him. He had one kid uh, that I knew about before the pandemic, and he had a second kid, uh, except this kid was three or four years old. Uh, and so uh, when I got to see him uh, the next week at work, I said, hey, um, I noticed something. Um, you had an extra kid with you. And uh, uh, he told me the story. So it's a pretty amazing story. So him and his wife, um, earlier on, uh, um, a few years ago, uh, were actually um, looking at considering whether or not they would be uh, involved in fostering or adopting children. And he said his wife particularly felt that calling um, to, to uh, uh, be involved in that. So they actually started taking classes uh, and building a support group uh, and learning about uh, the process of fostering and adopting um, children. So his wife actually works as an occupational therapist at uh, a local hospital. Uh, and they had a patient, a young girl, that came into the hospital uh, and it's a pretty sad, tough story. Um, the young girl had been in a very tragic car accident. Uh, and as they understood the story, um, the parents had been um, racing the car. Uh, and the little girl was not in a car seat. Uh, and the car, there was a car crash. The car had flipped. Uh, and uh, the little girl had partially been paralyzed and brought to the hospital. Um, so um, this little girl was under the care uh, of this, uh, my coworker's wife. And, uh, uh, and she, over time, um, um, her health was nursed back. And uh, actually, uh, even though she has a little bit of a limp, she's mostly recovered uh, from the accident and from the partial paralyzation. Uh, and uh, uh, and the, the sad part of the story is uh, when the little girl was at the hospital, um, the, the, the parents didn't um, stay engaged and they disconnected and they, they left the little girl in the hospital. Uh, and it became apparent as she made the physical recovery um, that the little girl was gonna need a home to go home to. Um, so uh, my coworker's wife came to him and said, hey, um, 
I think this is, this is the time. This is what I've been called to do, and, and uh, uh, here's the need, and uh, I want to do this. And my coworker talked about making that decision and the fears he had. Um, there were the physical challenges, obviously, from her recovery from the accident, but there's also emotional and developmental hurdles that were involved. The little girl uh, had been neglected, uh, and her ability to communicate, uh, and uh, um, just her emotional development, um, she hadn't been potty trained, things like that, uh, that uh, um, had to be worked through. Uh, and he, he had asked some really tough um, um, questions of himself. Um, could he love um, this little girl the same way that he loved his biological child? Um, would he have enough patience uh, and gentleness and energy um, to love and nurture this little girl through those challenges? And those are real honest questions um, that he asked. Uh, and uh, like Joseph, uh, he, uh, he took the commitment uh, to just take that first step. Uh, and he said uh, how he described the process of just growing in the depth of his love and commitment for that little girl, uh, maybe for what he didn't initially emotionally feel for her, um, to act first and let the emotions follow. Uh, I think it's an interesting comparison between um, parenting uh, your own biological child and uh, parenting a fostering child. So like with a biological um, child that's your own, um, as a father, as a mom, um, it's, just, it's just amazing um, when your kid is born uh, and you get to hold them. Uh, and the experience of um, the dependence uh, and you learn as a parent quickly that they're 100% of their well-being um, is on you uh, and the, uh, how quickly that develops, just the, the level of commitment that you'll have in nurturing that young infant. Uh, and I think there's also just biologically, um, it's, it's, there's something in us that's innate um, that, uh, um, that, we, um, that we're just committed uh, in that process to, to raising our biological children. Uh, and so there's these, these emotions that well up in us uh, from the onset um, that lead us forward. Fostering uh, is different. Um, it's it's, um, it's it maybe not starting with the emotions of love, but it's the commitment and the choice um, to love and welcome that child into your family uh, and to end up nurturing the same way and fostering those emotions and developing those emotions uh, along the way. And I think those parallels um, show us a little bit and can reveal a little bit to us about how God loves us. Um, they are a metaphor for God's love as we look at adoption. Uh, and it's actually even used in Scripture in a couple different places. So I'd like you to flip over to Ephesians um, chapter 1. I'm going to read the very end of verse 4 through uh, verse 10. Uh, and if you notice when I read these, this passage, um, the emotional depth of the words that are used um, to describe the love that God has for us. So... Um, starting at the end of verse 4, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us to the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to reunite all things in him, 
things in heaven, on, uh, excuse me, things in heaven and things on earth. I'll read a second one to you. This is in Romans 8. Um, and uh, um, the confidence and the strength and also the emotion of these words, I think, are profound. So Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you look at these words and what it's talking about, what it means to be ad- adopted into God's family is to receive the inheritance that the natural born children would receive. Even though you don't deserve it, even it's not part of your family heritage um, to be passed on to you, it's gifted to you. Uh, so I think in, in the kingdom of God, um, I think that, that means to me two different things. One, it means um, the blessing of eternal life, but I think even more importantly, because uh, this is what makes eternal life good, it's, it's daily life in the spirit. It's the nurturing and love of God that we feel uh, in our relationship uh, with him. And you look at the words in these passages, the depth of the love of what the gift of what God is bestowing upon us, and not because uh, we deserved it, but because God chose us, uh, he uses the word predestined, um, to love us. Um, it was a love of commitment, and it was also a love of emotional depth. And I think God loves us both like a natural parent, uh, the best of, the na- of being a natural parent, and the best of being an adoptive parent, it's both. Um, God chose to love us, not because he had to, or not because of, of biology or human survival instincts that we have. Um, it's, he made a commitment um, to us um, and gifted us with something that we didn't deserve. Um, we also get like those full rights of God's family. So again, it's, it's being with him in eternity, but it's also that intimacy of being reconnected with God and living in his spirit uh, and I would say, say it as being fully known and fully loved regardless. And, and I also realize that God, um, y'all, he looks at us like um, a father looks at a newborn baby, um, just with pride and hope and expectation. Uh, and there is nothing we can do um, to get that to change, how much God loves us. Um, Y'all, he, he sees us that way, and, and, and that's profound. And I think we, we forget that a lot in life. Um, and we should intentionally uh, um, look to remember and reflect on how much God loves us. So some challenges uh, for y'all. Um, I think we can be like Joseph. Um, there are lots of big decisions um, that we can come across in life. Well, where to, where to live, what job to take, um, who to marry. And I think we can stress over those things uh, and uh, um, try to plan things out. And the reality is, is I think, you know, what, what really matters is um, it's not exactly what you decide to do. It's whether or not you're doing it with God. You have integrity about it and you're following your heart in the decision. If you feel called to do certain things, you follow those callings. Um, if, uh, if you feel like it's right, and you're following the right principles. 
uh, and it's good, um, and, uh, and see where that takes you. It's not a decision uh, for eternity, it's a decision for the day, and I think, I think we have to remember that um, the future and the past, those things are God's business, right? Um, for the past, uh, he gives us redemption and grace through the work of the cross, and for the future, uh, we know his promises, and we can't, we can't change either of those things, the past or the future, but he wants to work with us in the present. And it's just simply like my coworker uh, following uh, his wife's calling to just say, yes, I'm going to dive into this, being Joseph and just saying, yes, um, this sounds a little bit crazy, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe you, God, and you want my help here, and I'm going to take this step and day by day, and I'm just going to do this. Uh, and, and, then, and then look what happened. Um, God, God will work with that and make something beautiful and amazing with it. Um, so, so next steps. I want you to consider what, what calling does your spouse or maybe um, if, if you're not married, you know, close friends or other family members um, that you have in your life, what, what calling do they have? And uh, what can you do to support and encourage them in that calling? And then I want you to consider, secondly, um, is there a calling that you have in a situation, um, the people that you come across in life and what their needs are, um, that maybe you're being called uh, to do something for them? And maybe that's big and maybe not. Maybe it's just a small thing. Uh, but how can you trust God and get outside of your comfort zone, uh, overcome those fears, uh, and follow that leading of the Spirit? And finally, now last step, um, you're looking at these passages, uh, and really um, this is the... This is, uh, uh, why we celebrate Christmas. It's just reflecting on how much God um, loves you. Um, he is both like a natural parent and a biological parent. Um, he uh, looks at us uh, the same way that we would look at our biological children uh, with love and hope. Uh, and he also looks at us uh, the way an adoptive parent would uh, with commitment and choosing to take steps to move forward uh, and building feelings upon um, taking the right course of action uh, and blessing someone's life uh, and giving maybe an inheritance that maybe is not deserved or naturally um, that, that we would naturally come to, um, but one that we're going to bestow on someone else uh, as a gift. And that's what God does for us.